you know, like a sporting hero or someone who's been through some deep, dark shit, you know. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I always, think you could play that really well. Thank you. Yeah, well, yeah. I hope so. Diego Maradona. So. <laughs> Can you imagine? There you go. <laughs> Not quite sure I'd be the right casting for that, but okay. Manzilla is back with a bang. We are here to bring you all the goods when it comes to men's status, identity and belonging in this crazy mad world that we live in. We're here to help us guys navigate the complicated landscape out there today. Lou and Jack are with me in the studio. We've got an amazing guest coming up today. Absolutely. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. I have a very first world problem to tell you about. You know the uh, the little bit of the, you know, the earpiece bit where the speaker is in the iPhone? Chocolate fell in there and it is now meshed. <laughs> In my iPhone earpiece bit. Have you been to the Apple store? I have not, but I tell you have what. Have you been to A and E? Why do you? I think all your problems. When, when do you never have first world problems? But, really? Yeah, I know. I what, am a very first world problem. What's kind your of chocolate of choice? Oh, do you know what? Galaxy. Yes. Mate. Every yes. time. Yes. Oh, do you know what? You so should creamy. get um, a toothbrush to clean your your earphone. Is that right? Yeah. I tried meanwhile, that. I tried that actually. It's gone so far like in. A, would you like a sour watermelon? A sour watermelon. Okay. Did you like those, Jack? They are nice, yeah. See, these remind me of sour patches. I just got back from Miami. Yeah. And they have these things called sour patches. Yeah. Which are sour watermelons. But these are really English and posh and not really, not really vibing with these. Now, let's introduce today's special guest for the day. Um, he's an actor and a performing artist who rose to fame at a young age uh, on EastEnders, I believe, and has just finished shooting Our Girl uh, for the BBC, which is a hit drama starring Michelle Keegan. It's our boy... Danny Boy Hatchard. Yes, Danny. Here he is, here he is. Welcome, Danny. Thank Danny, you for having me. Danny, thank you so much for coming on. Um, so we are football teammates. We are. Um, we are football teammates. We are playing the team you keep breaking your fingers? I know. Do you know something? Yeah, look at the uh, finger here. It's absolutely screwed. So you're the, in the team that he's, he's broken his fingers <laughs> Unfortunately, in. Unfortunately, I'm yeah. not the person scoring the goals. In terms of like your, um, your, your career, how you started um, with EastEnders, how you got into it, how did that all begin for you? How did that all start? How did that journey begin? Christ, have you got the time? <laughs> yeah, man. I don't really know where to start, if I'm honest. Um, to give you the short story, I suppose, um, I graduated <clears throat> from drama school in 2013, and uh, a gentleman I'd worked with on my final year production, uh, a gentleman called Nikolai Foster, who's now the artistic director of the Curve Theatre in Leicester, um, cast me in a musical in my final year production called Kiss of the Spider Woman and he kindly um, cast me as one of the leads in that and then from there I auditioned for a show that he um, was directing in the West End called Beautiful Thing which was the 20th anniversary production Yeah. Uh, with uh, Saran Jones who's now after all winning, it, winning and obviously killing life yeah and uh and then from there really um fortunately a lot of people went to see it and uh from then kind of my career just blew. took off yeah, yeah it kind of just blew yeah uh, i've been very fortunate <clears throat> and um then eventually I, I, I got an audition for eastenders and boom 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 well done. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, well, my second, actually, I had a, an initial first audition, and then my second audition I had with uh, Mr. Danny Dyer himself. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Uh, apparently, um, Julia Crampsey was the casting director at the time, and Mr. Dominic Treadwell Collins, who mm. was the exec producer at the time, they were very keen on casting me, but apparently I was a bit too bold in the way that I entered the room on the second time. Really? You need to elaborate on this. What do you mean, so, bold? Well, basically, when my, my second audition 
which meant that I met Danny Dyer. I called him Malcolm. Malcolm. I don't know if some of you know, but um, he, uh, he, 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 uh, sorry, I have to avoid swearing. No, 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 no you, you can't. Oh, right, okay, cool, okay, fine. So basically, <laughs> can... there ain't no swear jar in this go, room. Go oh, thank your... God for that. No, Jesus. We filled up last week. No, the last one I did, I had to avoid swearing. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no. So I just thought, listen, I'm gonna go in a room with a lad. The and take the piss deep. out of him. Do you know what I mean? Because like where we come from, because I know Dan's from a very similar area to me, and I was thinking if he's anything like me, and then he likes a bit of banter, and and um, uh, Keith Lemon often called him Malcolm, and he hated it, and I know how much he hated it. So therefore, I kind of I touched that nerve a little bit when I walked into the audition room, and he went, "Hello, Danny boy, nice to meet you." I went, "Hello, Malcolm, nice to meet you too." Ooh. <laughs> and uh, and he was shocked. Yeah, he was shocked by it. But Brilliant. we had a bit of banter, and then we ran the lines, and it all went really well. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, and he loved it. He loved the fact that I came in with a bit of bollocks, and yeah. uh, and that was kind of it, really. I mean, it was essentially all of their decisions to cast me. Um, there's a very long and interesting story that I'm going to put in a biography one day. Um, which I hope that you'll all read, but it's 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 a mental story. Really? The whole thing's mental, and it's like from from, it's like from a, a fictional novel. How Re- it all how it all happened and manifested, and I won't go into it. Really? Yeah. But oh, I'm it's, glad you stopped it's, this so well. It's mental, yeah. So, um, but that's the very 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 um long and kind of socially accepted, um, <laughs> version of the story. So, um, yeah. So courtesy of Mr. Danny Dyer, Julie Crampsey, and Dominic Treadwell Collins, Lee Carter. Um, I've met. Was cast. Speaking of having some gonads in, in in castings, there was that famous story of of, of, of when the Wolf of Wall Street was being cast, and um, the Margot Robbie was going for the for the role of um, DiCaprio's uh, missus, and apparently she walked in and and had to do the lines, and the lines were just to have a go at each other, and apparently she slapped him on the first take, and his jaw dropped. Yeah, she did. And she and and, and he yeah and uh, and um, it, was, it was Scorsese, wasn't it, who, who directed it? Said, do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they just like and he was like yeah do it again yeah. and so he was prepared for it this time and he reacted but apparently it got her the role because it was just, wow. just she just went in with with literally gonads the size of her head yeah. to do it to <clears throat> DiCaprio imagine she was nobody before that yeah well, she was so in the moment at the time that she did it but straight afterwards when Scorsese called cut during the audition um, she profusely apologised to Mr Leonardo DiCaprio which is obviously oh warranted God. considering Obviously, the status of the geezer, yeah. Um, but um, Leonardo also loved it as well. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, Leonardo being Leonardo and Scorsese being Scorsese, Leonardo would have had some say in who would have been yeah. cast as his love interest. Yeah. Um, and and he loved it. So yeah. I think he's a bit of a kinky minx under the, um, you know, under the surface. <laughs> a, kinky liked it. a kinky minx. A kinky minx. I haven't yeah. heard those Yeah, yeah. I really got slapped and got a little tickle with the other tickle. <laughs> so now you've just been doing Our Girl, I have. which is one of the biggest shows on the BBC with Michelle Keegan, yeah. and it is like it's a real. I'm a big fan of that show. I can't wait to see it. Oh really? Have you watched it before? Absolutely love it. Oh, I think really it's. Good. I just think it's one of those shows that like kind of brings people in. It's nine pm. It's the peak slot. Yeah. How did you find filming that? So you had to go away for that, didn't you? I did, yeah. I went to um, Cape Town in South Africa. Whoop, whoop. Which, yep. Yeah, Jack knows Cape Town Jack, well. Jack yeah. Town. Yeah. Special place. It's special a very place. special place. I had a wonderful time there and I ticked some amazing things off my bucket list. One could um, say it was lecker. 
Lecker, I apologise to any South Africans listening for my terrible impression. Hectic, <laughs> <laughs> hectic. Yeah. Everything's fucking hectic. <laughs> Literally everything. It's just like Jesus that is that is Christ. actually so spot on, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's just like oh okay. Jack looks really South African anyway, don't you? Is it, what, what, is, what is it about? about it's just it. like the hair, the flowy locks and the tan and the physique and You're basically all describing that, a surfer that. dude. He could have been from anywhere from Cape Town <laughs> to California <laughs> to Australia. The Cheshire Grin is out again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, come on, like, not particularly Cape Town. But um, yeah, no, it's a wonderful place and uh, I got to experience some amazing things out there. And it, <clears throat> it was actually my first time filming abroad. So um, it it was nice. It was it was it was definitely a test for me, because obviously, you know, I'm an actor and I've been working, you know, very luckily consistently over a period of time. But I guess to work away from home, far away from home, over a longish period of time is definitely a test. Guys can can kind of learn a lot from you know, different traits in different people. Um, so from your, like, background in your career and stuff, you know, you've played some really strong characters. Um, and, you know, you've dealt with really, really hard-hitting storylines as well, haven't you? Mm. So in, like, all that background, all that repertoire, and all that prep, how did you sort of, like, get into that mode, get into that kind of, like, zone of trying to sort of get into the harder storylines? You know, you've tackled stuff like depression and suicide, haven't you? Mm. And that is tough to be able to kind of go there isn't it yeah very much so i think um it boils down to um uh, <clears throat> being curious uh being empathetic i think is one of the main things i think and uh, having an array of um contacts and friends and uh over a wide scale and just getting to know them and understanding what they're going through and I think it's identical. See, the thing with me, whenever I prepared for a character, I'd always kind of speak to someone who was remotely similar to the character that I was due to be portraying. And um, I think for me, it was analysing body language, particularly what was happening behind the eyes when I asked specific questions, um, and the kind of practising the embodiment of that over a period of time, I think. But for me, it's also language. Your language is so so important um, because half the time people are watching but they're mostly listening to what's happening mm. and I think that's that's equally as important so you know with cinematography you need a great script otherwise it just won't work and obviously our girl you know with the likes of Tony Grounds who's the writer and the cinematographer that is Lance um, and uh, and whatever directors working on the production at the time you know as a collective they need to collaborate and bring a wonderful piece of art together otherwise it just won't work and um, <clears throat> I think if you're going to work as a company of actors you need to be open-minded and you need to be collaborative and you need to be kind of aware that you're all trying to create the truth you're all trying to be artists and I think it doesn't matter how much research you do ultimately in a moment that will get thrown away and you just say the dialogue and make it as believable as possible <laughs> um, because uh, like I say it doesn't matter how much how much you're prepared um, there's going to be things a director is going to want to change there's going to be things a writer is going to want to change and there's going to be things that the cinematographer is going to want to change and you have to work with that so 
as much as you can prep and prep and prep and prep ultimately improvisation is the skill you need to have yeah it's one yeah. of those small moments isn't it a lot of the time when you watch stuff back and the great films of, the, of, of this of this world are a lot of the time made up of one scene that everyone remembers for that insane moment that Leonardo happened. DiCaprio in Django you've got you know with the whole smashing of the glass sequence and then kind of carrying on with that and then you know <clears throat> all the way down to like Heath Ledger in Batman you know when he played the Joker you know all of those kind of wonderful nuances that that, that, that come from a, a place of spontaneity is is what makes an actor yeah gosh man I mean it's I, I, I just I, I kind of think that you know the way that um, you know you kind of have to tap into parts of different psych and like tap into like kind of different areas of people's personalities is really phenomenal because I've you know as a presenter as someone who kind of has to try and be myself on, on, on air and on TV it's difficult to think how can you get into a, a completely immersive world of somebody else to do that mm. and uh, method acting isn't it is that is that the, the, that's the phrase is the method acting and, and things like that because yeah i mean method acting is it's an extreme way of kind of looking into things and research and stuff and daniel day lewis is kind of a product of method acting you know but you can argue you can argue that it works you know he's he's one of the most tonies out of any male actor in the world you know he's been knighted for it um and uh, and I think if it's used responsibly, it's a great way to kind of indulge in a character, you know. Apparently, <laughs> this isn't something that I know is true, but apparently he locks himself in a shed and just spends months upon months of his time kind of indulging in a character and getting into the character. And I think that's, that's a very kind of intense way of doing it. Um, uh, I think Heath Ledger was quite similar. There's also another few actors out there that are like that. But for me, it's, I think, you know, Life is hard enough as it is. I wouldn't want to make my career any harder by locking myself in the shed for three months. You know, I think for me, it's understanding people, it's empathy, it's reading and understanding language and the musicality of language, and um, and 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 general analysis of human nature. I think those are the the, the general things that I use in order to embody a character. Yeah. What would be your dream role as an actor now? One that you haven't <coughs> portrayed yet that you would really just love to get into. Well, it's interesting you asked that question because you said I haven't portrayed yet, so it's. Well, difficult. it could be like a. I can really imagine you in like a rom com chick flick. Really? <laughs> oh, wow! I know you haven't done that's that the yet. First time someone's ever said that. <laughs> I think that's just I'm loser. generally not the kind of Zac Efron looking leading man. Like, I'm always the kind of supporting actor type, and I prefer that because generally they're the most interesting roles. You know, like yeah. one of my favorite actors of all time, Mr. Eddie Marsons, you know, he's from a similar background to me. Mm. You know, he was a printer in Cannon Town all the way up until he was in his mid 30s. Had a fantastic array of work and catalogue of work that he had done. And then he started to really establish himself as an actor and kind of that's the kind of career that I'd like. I, you know, but yet, although he's very established in his field, he can still live a lifestyle where he isn't getting recognised left, right, mm. and centre. You know, that's the kind of thing that I'd like. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I think in terms of <clears throat> in terms of a specific role, I don't know because it hasn't been created yet. Yeah. So I mean, I to be honest with you, I, I really like non-fiction. I really like to tell real stories because they resonate more with the public. Yeah, um, I can actually see you doing that, like portraying a, a real-life character that's yeah. you know like a sporting hero or someone who's been through some deep dark shit. You know. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I always, think you could play that really well. Thank you. Yeah, well, yeah. I hope so. Diego Maradona. So. <laughs> Can you imagine? There you go. <laughs> Not quite sure I'd be the right casting for that, but okay. <laughs> men are men, women are women. We are different animals. We have to grow to accept that. Pro equality all the way in terms of you know equal pay and stuff like that. But in terms mm. of nature and the way that we act and the way that we sympathise and empathise with things, we're totally different. <laughs> we're <laughs> totally different. I think what it boils down to is I, I did a bit of reading on this a couple of years ago about it's about vulnerability. Yeah. And like vulnerability is something that not a lot of people accept. Mm-hmm. They think they have to be this or do that. Well, or men in general, or, yeah. yeah, exactly. And because of the sort of history, if you like, of men being mm. this hunter-gatherers and the, and the, the ones that have to uh, sub, like provide and whatever else when you are approaching a situation which i'm sure you do a lot in your work where you're given a role that you may be not used to or wanting or maybe happy with you've got to get on with it and, mm. and actually the more vulnerable you are to that mm. i suppose the more people will help you and guide you through that particular time whereas if you were the opposite and go yeah i've got this sort of thing no one will give you any help and then yeah. you'll feel like you're drowning in your own problem basically yeah like, do you feel do you feel that happens with you when you get given roles that you're not sort of used to <clears throat> i mean i've always been very in touch with my um i mean i i don't like saying feminine side because that's insinuating that all women are vulnerable and, and and i think i think i think toxic masculinity is obviously a huge problem that we have in today's society right the emotional side probably is better yeah yeah i think i think for me it's i um i've always been very in touch with my vulnerable side shall i say like i've always been happy to cry if i needed to cry because i've always felt that sense of release and euphoria afterwards and clarity and able to kind of you know kind of move on from 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 whatever problem i'm facing at the time due to having a good fucking cry do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and just kind of opening up and talking and conversing with people and um uh, i've always I don't know I guess that's just a natural thing you know I've, I've been I've been very fortunate in that respect but I have witnessed a shit ton of people who are very close to who suffer agonizingly with 
with toxic masculinity and I'm, I'm actually um, there's someone very very extremely close to me right now who's going through exactly the same thing and they are an absolute product of toxic masculinity and to try and converse with them in a way that that, that allows me to to uh, convince them to think differently is hard because it's trying to reprogram someone and mm. i mean re- reprogramming someone's someone's mindset and someone's brain and someone's way of thinking when they've spent an impressive amount of years thinking differently is incredibly difficult absolutely so i think you know you know generally as a society we underestimate the the, the, the huge severity of of of, of mental health particularly Mm. in men and and um so i've always been a huge advocate of it and uh, i think it's 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 a lot more complicated than people make it out to be you know sometimes it's not just about talking it's it's about um um, it's reevaluating our lifestyle and um and creating a different kind of regimented way of thinking and 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 living our lives and reevaluating our social circles and looking at what we eat looking at how we keep fit looking at what we're doing for a job it's literally meticulously going through everything in our life reevaluating it and seeing if it's actually something that's actually going to be good for our mental health you know you have the whole me too movement and you have so many women now who are brave and willing to speak up yeah, and absolutely. how do you feel about that um do you feel like there's been a lot of women who have been criticized for over exaggerating making false claims making false rape claims and do you think that m- men are getting attacked unfairly or do you think that it is a problem and you know like that whole gillette advert that mm. they just well, not that they just, the most recent one, yeah. when they got so much shit for that, for, yeah. you know, trying to demonstrate to the world. I actually thought that it was quite, it was, you know, I could see what they were doing to send a positive message to the world that men need to be better. Yeah. And do you think that men now have a huge responsibility to I raise think... kids and teach kids and our future generation to, to be better? Yeah, of course. I mean, where I come from, it was always, it was, you know, always very much embedded in the way that we were to respect women and to, to treat women, you know, with utmost respect. It's, it's really, it's a really difficult one because I think there's two, there's, there's two things, right? I think, I think one, I think it's amazing that women are feeling that they can step forward and they're empowered by stepping forward and they can open up about whatever issues they're facing. I think that's important and it's imperative in order for change. Um, but I think one of the most damaging things is the tabloids and the way they spin stories. Mm. Because we also have to take into consideration that there are people out there who are having the, the finger pointed at them who are innocent. And uh, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here because I've worked very hard for my, um, for my, um, for my career, but yeah it would only take one person to sell a story to ruin it and mm. a story that would be incredibly inaccurate or a liar mm. but yeah it could still be sold now the whole story that's going off with kind of harvey weinstein and kevin spacey and uh, an array of other people you know brian singer mm. director <coughs> um I, I i totally empathize with their victims and i think it's important and i say victims because it's exactly what they are you know in, um, whether that be rape or sexual assault in any way shape or form i think it is important that they step forward and they and they use their voice um but i think i think mostly i think the, the, the tabloids should stay away from it and t- you know I, I i'm a firm believer in innocent until proven guilty so mm. I think they should stay away from it until the hammer's been hit on that fucking table and that person yeah. has been has, has been has been told that they're guilty, mm. and then you you are well within your right to ruin that person's career because they don't deserve one. 
yeah mm. but until that until that hammer has hit the has hit the whatever the fuck it's called uh, I, I really feel like the tabloids just stay away from it because at the end of the day it's like vultures mm. just jumping down and just jumping on any story you look at cliff richard you know he was he was cleared um but yeah. you know if he was in the early days of his career i guarantee he wouldn't have been half the success that he is now mm because it would have been ruined no one would have wanted to have bought his albums or his songs or anything because it would have been tarnished in a way mm. you know and then we could go even deeper into the kind of idea of you know michael jackson and and the kind of you know the the pointing the fingers towards the kind of pedophilia and the stuff that he's he was supposedly getting up to and stuff mm. you know and it's like do we morally should we play his stuff on the radio should we listen to it you know what should we do and i think it's all complex and it's all stuff that is all well and good but it's happened and it's done and the damage has been done we love his music we're not going to stop liking his music what are we going to do sit in a corner and fuck in the darkness in silence and listen to his music and yeah. feel bad for it no, we and now listen I to thought that the other day as well like, no listen to his music yeah. love his music because it's different he's an artist he's you know yeah. his artistry is different to his persona he's a person that is it it's the same with chris brown you know when he supposedly beat up rihanna well he did beat up rihanna i don't know because the tabloid mm. spin stories whatever you know people are now listening to his new album and they love it and they've all of a sudden forgot about the fuck that the, the fact his, that his new album, album is great yeah, it's I, fantastic. I, I, I love his as an album. artist i think he's great <laughs> yeah, i don't he is, he know him great. as a person at all but, but this is what i'm saying you need to completely detach yourself away from these people because listen you've got the difference between an artist and a person they're two different things you know as soon as you start bringing the personal stuff into it mm -hmm. and then that's when it starts getting all too complicated and i think uh you know but then in saying that there is there is there is there is a boundary you know it's the social media is blown up into such a massive thing that nobody knows how to deal with it or control it or monitor it who knows what the what the fuck we're supposed to say or what we're not supposed to say? I mean, Jesus, I've got the biggest mouth in the world, and it can sometimes <laughs> it can sometimes be misconstrued into something that is anything. You know, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. you could probably go back to something that I tweeted ages and ages ago and 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 see it as something that's now acceptable in today's society. You know, we're yeah. talking six, seven years ago. Yeah. You know, but you know, I think we all have to accept the fact that humanity as a whole is growing and mm. you know, equality is growing and we're accepting the way growth is happening. Um and I think it is important if if a woman has been been used or victimized in that way shape or in, in any way, shape or form, she should come forward and she should talk about it. I don't think um, I, I, well, I don't I don't think approaching the press is, is, is maybe the best way to do it. I think the pressure get involved when it, everything's been signed, sealed and delivered and and um, a uh, what's the word a um, resolution a resolution has yeah. been made yeah or, or, or uh, mm. the, the person has been proven guilty. Cool. Otherwise, it's it's, it's 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 a career that's been that's been that's been ruined. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm. and th this is this is uh, this is completely playing devil's advocate here. I'm I'm only saying that because I'm sure there are a, a, a very small minority of people that are out there that have had their lives ruined mm. because they've been wrongly accused. And I think those people need to be spoken for as well. Uh, we've run out of time. Got have to wrap we? It up. Yeah. What? Yeah. <sighs> got to, yeah. I've got to wrap it up. I'm really sorry. Thank you so much for listening, Danny. Thank you so much no, for everything what today. What time is it? Uh, it's flown by um, Jesus Christ thank you very much if, uh, thank you very much indeed for listening and if you've been watching this as well on social media we want to hear from you as always send us a DM with your thoughts uh, we're at Manzilla Online on social media and however you've come to us today whether it's through Apple Google Spotify uh, all the uh, platforms we'd love it if you could subscribe and give us a wicked rating 
Right, Danny, where can people find you on social media and what you're up to now? Okay, so um, social media on Instagram, you can find me at one Danboy. That is the number one. Um, and, yeah, no, I always have to say this. Didn't think about that when I wrote the handle. Um, but yeah, number as in the number one that you write, and um, and, 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 and as in the, the one. As in, I'm two. doing the finger spelling as I'm saying it. Yeah, so, uh, so it's one. It's one Dan. One. Not 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 the French. Uh, the, so the Spanish boy's name. No, not, not Juan. No, it's not, not Juan. Oh, sorry, I was confused. I was just typing in J. You know who corrected me there. You had to pick a difficult handle, didn't you, Danny? You can't just be Danny Hatcher. Do you know what? I'm convinced that I got the majority of my followers on social media because people thought that I was like a One Direction fan because, you know, One D. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know, genuinely. You could have just put official on the end. You know how, like, the. Well, because I had the whole verified thing and then the One D, and then, you know, I don't know whether the fans got excited. I mean, I realised I wasn't Harry Styles. And on Twitter, I'm at Danboy, and on Facebook, I'm at official Danny Boy. I've always judged people that put official before their name, so don't judge me. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's after my name. Geez. Well, Facebook was the first one, so therefore, like, unless I started putting numbers in front of my name, there wasn't really any way of me putting it. You yeah. Know I mean? God, so. I haven't used my Facebook in ages. I think I've forgotten my password. <laughs> well, no, the only reason why I really stick with Facebook is because generally all the School old biddies use it, and I could do with those buying tickets to come see my future shows. <laughs> I love it. Do you know what I mean? There was one that's like, uh, Arthur, Arthur, I really think about going to see Danny Boy from Facebook. Uh, going to see him in a show on Friday evening. Fancy having a day out just before the bingo. Do you know what I mean? So listen, bums on seats. Bingo's still alive. Is that like Absolutely. a thing still? Absolutely. Really? Mecca bingo. Yeah, like in the, in the bingo uh, theatres, whatever they yeah. do. Yeah. But Lou, where can people find you? At Lou Ling Chan. There we go. My Instagram is not very interesting, guys, but um, it's decent. yeah, it's it decent. is decent. There's there's stuff to look at. I I post a lot of food pictures because I'm Asian and love to post about food. <laughs> I like cooking and posting dumplings and ramen bowls and. Mm. And Gavin and I am Gavin <laughs> R official. There we go. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. This has been the Manzilla Podcast. Have a great day. Ba-da-ba.